It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I am your host, Carmen Herbert, and I am so excited to have on the podcast today, Jody Moore. Jody doesn't know anything about me, but like it goes in social media, I know everything <laughs> I feel like about you. Because <laughs> I listen to your podcast and I have watched your some calls that you post on Instagram on Jody Moore Coaching. And I've I feel like I've I I know a lot about you. And I'm so glad that you've taken the time to come on the podcast today and help us moms with our stress levels and help us figure out how to manage our time and feel fulfilled during the day, or maybe we don't even need to feel fulfilled during the day. That was something I read recently with someone saying, oh, how do I not be lazy? And you're like, why don't you want to be lazy? I was like, wait. I like like to question everything. I love that. I love that. So we're going to talk about all that stuff today and and how you got started um, with being a life coach and, and why you feel like this is your mission to help women um, be the best they can be and feel empowered, especially. So quick intro for those of you who don't know who Jody is. She is a mother of four and a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And on her website, she says, I'm just a woman trying to figure out how to minimize resentment, overwhelm, and guilt and replace them with happiness, gratitude, and joy. So three years after Jody got married, she found herself with two kids under the age of two, a loving husband and and a lot of self self loathing and um you struggled with the duties associated with being a mom and a wife and then felt guilty as we all do for feeling that way for feeling like this is supposed to be something that's innate this is supposed to be something that i was born with to be a nurturing mother and and mm-hmm. if, if it doesn't come as easy to us of course then we feel guilty or what's wrong with me and Mm-hmm. And you said this is what I always wanted. You have a bachelor in communications and an MA in adult education, along with 15 years experience as a corporate trainer and leadership coach. But what's helped Jody the most overcome her struggles and to conquer all of your goals are the tools that you now use to coach your own clients. And you trained with Brooke Castillo of the, is it Castillo or Castillo? Castillo. Castillo, because the two L's, I'm guessing that. Oh, my kids call her Brooke Casserole. Brooke Casserole. Brooke Casserole. (laughs) So you can call her that too. Brooke Casserole. Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. And now you are a certified life coach. And you get to help women achieve the results and desires in all areas of their life and and kind of wipe away that mom guilt that you felt so many years ago Mm -hmm. and really take control of their lives. And I love on your website, it says, "I'm I'm a lucky woman. And guess what? So are you. I will help you find that. I I want to find that. I want yeah. to feel that way too. Mm-hmm. And so tell me when you had that moment of, of feeling guilty and feeling like I, I am not enough or I need to do more. What changed? Did you go receive life coaching yourself? Did someone help coach you? And then those tools were so amazing. You thought, oh, okay, then this is what I want to do for other women. Or did you think maybe I should just kind of look beyond myself? and do something to help other people to get myself out of this rut? No, I definitely was a client of coaching first. In fact, I was working full-time when I had those two little kids. 
And I loved my job. I loved going to work. I loved, I, I felt really successful and valued there. And I got to dress up in cute clothes and get I felt ready. Really, yeah, get ready and put lipstick on. So in fact, I just posted about this on Instagram too, that I dreaded three-day weekends because it meant three days in a row I was going to have to be home with those kids and not get to go to work, which was kind of my release. So I felt tremendous guilt about that, thinking I should want to be home with them and being a mother's the most important job. And why do I just want to not be there and be at work? And so I was actually introduced to some of the coaching tools through my job. I used them as a, a leadership coach. But then when I really needed even more help myself, I ended up working with coaches and I, I actually even enrolled in coach training with no intention of becoming a coach or, or even coaching others. I just needed a deep dive myself and coach training is an experience where you get coached in depth and you are immersed in the work for a long time. So I really did it to help me, but by the end of coach training, I I just saw all these connections to the tools I was learning and the principles of the gospel. And that got me so excited that I just wanted to, to tell other people about it. And so I really started teaching and coaching and training just because I was so excited about it. And, but I was definitely, uh, you know, I had to work on myself first and still do that, that <laughs> and still do. And I think that's, that's the thing is I look at women like you who I look up to and feel like oh, you have such great advice and you have it all together. You know, you know exactly what you're doing, but I love hearing that, that oh, it's a work in progress. And it's like some fitness accounts I follow and, and I'm like, Oh, look at them. They're like, I work on this every day. And I think it, would you say it's the same with your emotional and spiritual health too, and mental health that it's not something that you say, okay, I've got it figured out now, but it's a yes. daily you work on it every single day. A hundred percent. And I think one of the big misconceptions about coaching, at least the way I coach and the tools I teach, is people think that we're using these tools to feel happy all the time, to do everything even better, to be a little bit more perfect, to get the house a little bit cleaner, to be to yell at the kids a little bit less, to be more successful at our goals, all of those things. And they they do ultimately end up creating a lot of that, but it's really important. An, an important part of my work is embracing where you are currently. And um, I sort of teach that there's like a continuum. And on one far end of the continuum, we have lack of awareness for where we are. Sometimes we want to blame other people, blame our circumstances, blame the president of the United States, blame all these things outside of us. And then on yes. the opposite end of the continuum, we have shame and guilt and that this is my fault. I'm to blame. I need to be better. And neither one of those is healthy or useful or true. So what we're trying to get to is somewhere in the middle where we have complete awareness that we can create any result that we want, that we are creating our current experience and we're creating our current results and that's okay. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to fall short. It's in fact, it's never going to end in this life. So that middle place of like total acceptance and total ownership is where your life gets so much better, but it doesn't mean that you don't have tons of negative emotion and it doesn't mean that you don't make tons of mistakes and, and have progress to make. It just means that 
the things that you're working on now become different, that you sort of evolve, I call it evolving, like the next version of the iPhone. It's not that this iPhone wasn't great and amazing, but then there's this next version that can do other things. And as human beings, we evolve to the next version of us, but doesn't change our value. And you have to kind of understand that to make the kind of progress that's available. Oh, I love that. I love that idea of upgrading yourself or renewing yourself or having a different version. And it doesn't mean that you're not still, you know, an iPhone doesn't mean that yeah. you're not still you, right. but there's a new and improved version that's waiting. And, and that's maybe, maybe you haven't, maybe it's already available. You just haven't made the steps to go upgrade yourself and to go do that. And it's ready and available, but you're still stuck with, you know, the old iPhone yeah. seven or whatever, because would you say, because maybe you're afraid or it's hard making changes, what would you say the biggest hangup is for people to make that change and, and to accept who they are and how they are? I think that we just all have certain um, natural abilities to um, sort of see things more clearly and then other areas where it's harder for us to see. We all have our stuff. We all have our limitations. Um, just like, you know, I have a, a child who's really, really good at math. And yeah. so he's going to move through his math classes faster. He can do his homework faster. It doesn't mean yeah. that he's better than a kid, uh, one of the kids that takes longer or that one of my other kids who actually really struggles with math. Like, it's okay. Math's not your thing. It's going to take you longer to learn math, but you can learn it as much as you need to. And you have other things that you're really good at that the kid yeah. who's good at math isn't good at. And I think that's true for us as human beings too. So, you know, maybe um, judgment is hard. Maybe I, I have some clients who have a really hard time not judging their spouse, not judging other people. And that might be the thing that takes you a little bit longer to wrap your head around. And not that any of us ever become perfect at not judging, but getting some leverage over it yes. might take you a little longer than it takes somebody else, but you're going to, you probably have other areas where you can make progress a lot faster. So yes. it's just sort of embracing that we're all different. We all have different wiring and different life experiences. And, yeah. um, you know, we work on it because it makes your life more fun and it makes, um, it, it it's just like, I feel like we're here on earth having this experience. It's like we got sent here and we get to play the game of being alive. And I want to play the game and I want to try to pass as many levels as I can. But there are going to be yeah. some levels that are going to be really hard and, and I'm not, it's going to take me a long time to pass. But that's okay yeah. if we think of it sort of like the game that it is. It's, I don't need to go into shame and guilt that it's taking me so long to pass this level. It's just like, this is a really hard level for me, but I'm going to keep working at it because wouldn't that be awesome to pass this level? And um, it doesn't make us any less valuable, any less important. It doesn't even mean that my life experience is any less. It's just, this is a hard level for me. I'm going to have to work on it a little longer. I love that idea of that life is a game because it does make it fun. And then it makes all of the setbacks when you look at it that way, like, oh, well, everybody has setbacks and this is hard for everyone. And, and we're all on different levels and trying to pass them off at different times. It doesn't matter who gets to the end because eventually we all will, you know, we're all going to yeah. get to the end, but the purpose is the progression. That's the purpose yeah. is that we're progressing. And it's not the timeline of it necessarily. 
That's right. And I know that's easier for us to say here talking about metaphors, you know, on right. a podcast. And I know that the reality is a lot more challenging than that. If I yeah. if I have an addiction or I have somebody I love with an addi- an addiction or health problems or yes. There's there's serious challenges that I'm not trying to diminish uh, no. for people. Right. And the emotions that come with those are real. And a a lot of my work is also about understanding how to allow emotions and all of that. But the, the big picture view is we move into judgment of ourselves so quickly. And, um, and that's one of the things I'm really passionate about is trying to help people minimize judgment of others, but also of themselves. Because I, I, want, I think we have swung the pendulum a little far that way. Uh, yes, I agree with you completely on that. And I, and I wanted to talk to you about emotions. Okay. And I'm just realizing that my mic isn't plugged in. See, this is, this is my life, Jody. I'm just kind goes. of I'm with you, girl. a little bit of a mess all the time. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you about emotions. So I am a very emotional person and they overtake me. So if I am upset, all I can think about is being upset. If I'm in love, all I think about is being in love. And if I'm, if I'm worried, it's like that becomes all, it's all encompassing. And so when I've, I've read a few of your a few of the of, of the advice that you've given on your Instagram, Jody Moore Coaching, about feeling emotions, and you did like an ask me anything, and people sent in some questions, and they were talking to you about being worried or sad or things, and you talked about removing yourself. Why am I feeling this way? That is so hard for me to do. Why am I feeling sad? I am sad. I'm not. <laughs> you know that this is what I am. Mm. So if I feel like if I remove myself from that, then do I become just an unfeeling analytical, oh, I'm feeling hurt. And I Mm. wonder why, Mm. or how do I let that emotion process through me and validate it without just either turning myself off from it or letting it consume me? Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. I'm glad you're asking this. Cause I do think this is an area people misunderstand. So I need to figure out how to describe it better, but I don't want you to remove yourself. In fact, it's the opposite. I want you to lean into the emotions. I want you to open up to them because what intensifies emotion for us is us resisting emotion. So I want you to think about a beach ball that you're trying to hold down under the water. That's what we do when we resist emotion. We're trying to push it down and that ball just wants to pop up. And the the pressure of the ball pushing against and then eventually popping up, this is why sometimes we try really hard to stay patient and then we end up losing it and erupting in some form because we're resisting emotion. Resisting disappointment turns to terrible sadness. Resisting worry even turns to anxiety. Okay? Okay. So step number one is you have to learn to get really good at feeling all of those feelings and allow okay. them. So I I have my clients go through a process where I actually walk them through it. If they say, I just feel worried all the time, I'll say, what does worry feel like in your body? 
not in your head, not all the thoughts. That's where we, a lot of people live in the head, right? Or like you said, you, you feel the emotion, but you're not consciously being with it. So what I'll say is, where is it centered? For example, is it kind of more in your gut? Is it in your chest? We tend to feel emotions in the core of our body, but like, where does it feel like it's the strongest? And how would you describe it to, let's say, an alien who had never felt worry before? Like, what is the sensation of it? Is it tight? Is it buzzy? Is it heavy? Is it a pressure? You see what I mean by being in your body with the emotion? Yes. Okay. Now, the second part of that, that you're, you're kind of talking about whatever post you saw of mine is that that emotion is always created by sentences in your brain. Yes. So when it's really strong, I don't want you to go in your head and try to figure out the the thoughts and change the thoughts. I just want you to be with it. But when you know, this is just because of sentences in my brain, in other words, thoughts, but the reason I use that term is because I want you to stay in your body. I don't want you to get in your head when it's intense. Okay. Ooh, okay. That's yes. But if you try that, I know it sounds a little out there and it sounds like if people tell me, well, then it will just get so much worse if I just allow it and I just open up to it. But the opposite is true because instead of pushing that ball under the water, you're actually just holding it there on top of the water gently. So when I'm processing emotion, it sounds like, okay, we're going to be sad now, I guess. This is the yeah. part of being a human woman on the earth when I feel sad. And I'm sad because of sentences in my brain, but it's okay to think those sentences. Sadness is part of the human experience. Christ was sad at times. We're all supposed to experience sadness. Right. Part of the deal, right? So nothing wrong with me. I don't have to go change it right away. I can just be sad. Is there a time limit to emotions or is, uh, is it different for every person how long they process, how long it takes for those emotions to pass through. What if it's like a week later and you're like, I'm still in my sadness. I'm still, mm-hmm. you know, feeling all of this and, and and I'm still holding onto that beach ball where you can help start to let that go. Are there tools to be able to let that pass through you quicker or more efficiently or healthier? Yeah. There is a point at which then we can go start taking a look at what are the thoughts creating the sadness and are they thoughts I want to keep or are they thoughts I want to question and um, what are some alternative thoughts that might serve me better and that's a big part of what coaching even is but it's in answer to your question everybody is different in terms of how quickly they process emotion it also depends on the circumstance that's triggering the thoughts so let's say I have something really tragic happen, like the death of a loved one, then I might need to process sadness off and on for a long time. But we don't ever stay in the sadness all the time. We move in and out of it. And as you process it, like I've taught to really get in your body and just allow it, it's sort of like waves lapping up on the beach. It kind of comes and then it goes away and then then it goes away. And then you'll have a period of your day where you're not really feeling very sad and the ocean's kind of calm. And and then people want to feel guilty. Like I should be, I should still be sad. What's the matter with me? That's not necessary either. That That is the natural way. Our bodies know what to do with these emotions. Heavenly Father gave us these emotions. It's not like, oh, I'm sick. You're not sick when you're sad. 
You're healthy right. when you're sad. So I love that. Not like we got to fix this. People tell me my kid, my child has anxiety. What should I do? I'm like, teach them how to be anxious. Cause it's not like my, it's not like your child has coronavirus. We better right. like quarantine them. And if things get worse, take them to the hospital. No, your child is just a human. Humans get anxiety. Humans get sad. So and nothing's so wrong. Heavenly father created us this way. So when you people... learn how to be sad, Oh, sorry. Yes. When you learn no, no, how to no. just be sad and allow it and you're not in a hurry, you're just like, this is just part of the human experience. Then it it's not going to take you over. You're not going to feel out of control with it. And depending on how long the thoughts stick around, you'll get to a point where you're like, I think I'm done being sad. Then we go take a look at the thoughts and we, we question them and we, we come up with new ones that will serve you better. And then you're like, I'm not sad about that at all anymore <laughs> at one point. That, that is it, it, the mind, the mind and body connection is like fascinating to me how, how our thoughts are so powerful. And my mom would tell me that all the time, like to visualize, visualize growing yeah. up and visualize what you want and, and change your thought process. And it is, it, thoughts get really big for me. I have really big emotions and I have a hard time getting out and analyzing all of them. But I love that you brought up about kids, especially my, I have a 10 year old, he's 11. I have an mm -hmm. 11 year old. And the other day he was just acting weird for a couple of days. I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, he just was kind of removed and grumpy. I'm like, oh, just teenager stuff. Like you're just going through some things. Yeah. But I could tell there was something deeper that was wrong. And finally, as my kids always do, it's like the deep hours of the night when they when want to exhausted. open up when I yeah. am so tired and I was putting him to bed and I, 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 you know, kissing him good night. And he's like, I need to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at the clock, like how long is this going to be? But I've, I've also heard my pediatrician told me that kids analyze and process their days at, at, at yeah. night. That's when all of the things that they don't have was your school day. Good. How are you? How'd you do today? Fine. And then mm -hmm. at night, all of the sad, big, those all come up and then they mm -hmm. process through them. And it's really good if you can mm -hmm. stay awake, moms, to mm -hmm. listen to all of that. Yeah. And he said, mom, you told me the other day that we had to clean out my closet. And this was like three days ago. And he's my little treasure hunter. He holds on to things. He's very sentimental and it's really hard for him to let things go. I mean, like collects doorknobs from our old houses that we have found in his stashes of my first room. I mean, he just holds <laughs> on to this. What I'm like, this is junk, you know, but yeah. him is like these treasures. And he said, I've been thinking about that and worried that I'm going to have to give things away that mean a lot to me. And every time I was at school, I would be having fun at recess. And then I think about giving away my things and I would get really sad. And he said, that's why I've been so sad is every time I, I start to get happy, I remember, oh, but I'm actually going to have to do this really hard thing this weekend with mom. Mm -hmm. And, and this is how bad I had forgotten about that. It was like, <laughs> your closet is a mess. We're cleaning it out this weekend. It was like almost a passing comment. Like, and then I forgot about it. And to him, it, it was all he could think about and was affecting him so much. Mm -hmm. So I gave him a hug and said, I'm so glad you told me that. And I'm so glad that, that you were able to voice that. And now I know, oh, this makes so much sense why you've been in and out of all your emotions and acting so funny. Mm -hmm. It's because you're in the back of your mind, you're thinking about 
cleaning out your closet and how mm-hmm. you don't want to get rid of it. But then when he's talking to me, he gets emotional. Mm-hmm. He laughs. So he'll be crying and then he'll start giggling. And then he'll start crying about it and he'll be giggling. And it's hard for me to kind of stay in that conversation with him. Like, okay, I know you're really sad, but but now you're giggling. And so f- for him and for other moms that have kids that, that, you know, maybe have anxiety or worried about things and go through these funny roller coasters of emotions, what would what advice would, would you give for him? And how could I help him process those emotions, the sad and the giggly and the worry and this is all good. This is all great. And then help him through it. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you're asking this too, because I feel really strongly about our opportunity right now is to, um, to teach our kids how to handle negative emotion, especially our boys. I have two highly sensitive boys as well and emotional boys. And in our culture in general, men are not supposed to cry or be emotional. So right. They're tough. Be tough. Yeah. I think that's one of the factors that's contributed to the heightened levels of depression and anxiety that we're seeing with our kids today is this repression of emotion. So anyway, in answer to your question, First thing I recommend that we do, which I'm, again, always trying to remind myself to do, I get that it's not easy, but before we start giving them new thoughts and new ways to think about things, because that's what we do, right? We say things right. like, well, don't worry. You don't need to be stressed about that. We're not we're not going to get rid of anything that you really love or whatever well, we say. We try to talk them out exactly of That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Word for word. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. (laughs) Yes, yes. We want to talk them out of how they're feeling. Now, again, nothing wrong with that. But what I would like us to do is add a step first where we just teach them how to be with the emotion. So when my child comes to me, he's emotional or, or I can just tell that he's feeling a lot of emotion. I sometimes say things like, what is it that you're feeling? Do you think? Is it disappointment? Is it worry? Is it stress? Is it fear? And remember, emotions are just one word. As soon as we have more than one word, we're in thought land. Okay. I've never thought of it. Emotions are one word. um, Okay. Can you feel? Disappointment. Okay. Worry. Right. Can you feel multiple emotions at once or is it typically like one root? emotion that well no of course there and that's why we move in and out of all kinds of different emotions so it doesn't really matter that we get it the right name necessarily or the right one or the strongest one none of that really matters we're just okay just trying to help them get into their bodies and get into emotion land so i usually will begin with and depending on the age of the child or you know if i just say what are you feeling they're either going to give me thoughts or they're going to say i don't know Okay. So uh, I usually will be prepared to say, it seems like you might be feeling disappointed. seems like you might yes. be feeling nervous. Is that it? And, and whatever we land on together, usually the, at some point they'll say, yeah, I, I think it's mostly nervous or it's mostly fear. And then I say things like, what does that feel like in your body? And again, they're always going to say, I don't know. Right. But I say, well, when I feel nervous, my stomach feels queasy or my chest feels heavy. Do you feel that? And I literally have watched my children on so many occasions go into their bodies and think about it when I ask them, do you feel it in your stomach? And sometimes they say yes, or sometimes they say no, not really. It just feels like I can't breathe. 
or it just feels like whatever, or they might start giving me thoughts again. They might start saying, it just feels like you're going to give away all the things that I love. And I don't want to give away those things. Now we're up in the head, right? Which is fine. I just bring them back to the body. I'm like, I know, but what does your chest feel like? What does your tummy feel like? Is your heart beating faster? Is your, when you start thinking about this, do you start, do you get sweaty? Do you get, like, I try to help them be in the body and Yes. I kid, kid you not, Carmen, every time I do this, especially if they're, they're crying, they're emotional, they stop crying when we do this because the emotion, they're processing it now and it's moving through their bodies and the brain realizes we can calm down. We're not pushing that beach ball under the water anymore. It's right here on top. We can relax. And the, the emotion diminishes as we do this. And what I'm trying to do is send them the message that there's nothing wrong with feeling anxious or feeling nervous or feeling scared. So I say right. things like that too. I say, oh, you're just feeling anxious right now. It's okay to be anxious. I get anxious sometimes too. Or I yeah. get, I, get dis- I, I feel disappointment a lot yeah. too. It's right. okay. This is part of being a human. This is the part where we feel disappointed. So first and foremost, I try to help them be with it. Then I start offering some alternative thoughts. Like, you know, you don't have to be anxious about this because I'm not anxious for you because I know all these things are true. I know this is also true. And if they want to come with me, great. Maybe they want to talk about that. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just want to sit with the emotion longer. And I say, when you're ready, if you want to talk about it, let me know because I'm not anxious for you. I'm not scared for you. But if you want to be scared right now, you can. It's totally fine. Sometimes I just want to be scared. I think that's so reassuring for kids to know that we, like you said, I'm not anxious for you. I'm not scared for you. That they can kind of piggyback on on your thoughts and emotions for a minute. Like, oh, you're not? Like getting yeah. rid of all this doesn't make you nervous too? And that's very reassuring for them to know, oh, well, if you're not, then maybe I can think of a way of not being that way too. And especially right now with everything that's going on in the world, a lot of kids, most kids are very resilient, but they also don't express like we do. I'm having the worst day. This is, oh, this life is crazy. I just can't do it. I'm done. Give me chocolate, you know, put me to bed. (laughs) We know how to do things and say things. And kids sometimes will like my boys will punch each, like they'll punch their brother. And I'm like, why did you do that? He took that away. Well, no, not really. You're really actually, like you said, worried about going to school because it's windy today. And you heard that a wind blew into someone's house and Mm. maybe the tree, you know, the wind will blow a tree into the school. So it's, I love that you can help not necessarily think for them, but they can piggyback on that for you. I'm not feeling scared. I'm not feeling nervous, even about what's going on. Or you can say, yeah, I am, but but here's what I'm doing about it. And, and here's the plan. If, if we have to stay home or if this happens, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And help just talk ourselves through it a little bit too. Yeah. And we and it's, again, it's challenging to do, but we have to get more comfortable with our kids being unhappy. Because yeah, and when that we're is unhappy that they're unhappy, we're trying to talk them out of it so that we can feel better. Right. And, and uh, it's not about us. Yeah. And the thing is, is again, I go back to what I said earlier, which is nothing's wrong when they're unhappy. It's not necessarily a problem to solve. Sometimes they need to wrestle with it on their own. They need to just be unhappy for a little bit. And the better you get at feeling negative emotion, the more amazing your life becomes. Why is that? Because think about all of the 
the amazing people and the 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 valuable contributions or the the big goals. Like I was just listening to a podcast the other day about Dr. Martin Luther King. Think about what he did in the world. Think about all the negative emotion that was required for him to do that. He had to feel courage, which doesn't feel good because there's a lot of fear when you have courage. Yes. He had to feel overwhelmed. He probably had to feel scared a lot. He had to feel confused. He had to feel uncertain. And he had to go out and do that anyway and not use those as emotions as a reason to think something's wrong. I'm headed the wrong direction. I should just be quiet and stop talking. Right. Exactly. And, and that's true with anything we want to do in life that's really going to serve us. Like even think about getting married and having kids requires a lot of negative emotion like fear and uncertainty and overwhelm and shame. And it requires some physical pain, some of those things too. Like being willing to go through pain is the way we achieve the things and, and pursue the things we want to in our lives. It's not through sitting back, just watching Netflix, having chocolate all day. We could do that, but we're just not going to live a very exciting life or a very no, full life. I completely agree with you. And I've always thought and said that for, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I think it's the same with emotions. As you said, the more pain we feel, when we rebound, we have the potential to feel more happiness and joy. Those, I think you've known people, I've known people in my life that have experienced the most horrific tragedies imaginable. And they're some of the happiest people I know. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you be this way mm -hmm. when you've experienced such grief and sorrow? And it's because they've experienced such grief and sorrow that they've rebounded. And it's like the savior who experienced all the emotions, everything, mm -hmm. and was the most peaceful, joyful, content person. He experienced all of them, but because of that, he was able to feel from the, from the lowest of lows to the highest of highs because mm -hmm. he passed through all the negative. So I love that you talk about yeah. that, that it's important to feel those emotions. It's important for us to help our kids feel those emotions and not just to take them away because they have the potential to make us happier and better. Yeah. And it's the so, contrast of those emotions that creates that the contrast. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's the contrast that does that. Absolutely. So how have you felt, how have you felt guided in, in your efforts to provide this type of advice? Like, I feel like I, I could just talk to you for hours about, about things and have you, when you record, a podcast, which is called Better Than Happy. If you guys haven't listened to Jody's podcast, it's amazing. She has so many episodes with all different subjects that are so helpful, especially right now. But how have you felt guided in picking a subject or picking a topic or doing this coaching? Do you feel like inspiration just comes like, oh, I should talk about this? Or is it from your own personal life experience? Like, wow, I just went through something really hard. Maybe another mom needs to hear this too. Well, it's some of all of that. And sometimes I don't feel guided at all. Sometimes I feel stuck and unsure what to, what to say. I don't know. It, it feels a little bit presumptuous to me to say I've been guided, but I feel so lucky to get to, I sort of view it like the Lord is trying to guide all of us, right? And there's times when he lets me help a little bit. And I'm very grateful for those times because that is 
so rewarding and fulfilling to feel like you helped in some small way. But I, I also know that the, the success that my clients have and the progress that they make is not because of me. It, it's really not. And I know that because I, I have a lot of people that listen to my podcast or follow me or come into my coaching programs or what have you. There's a lot of them. And yeah. if it were about me, they would all see the same success. They're all listening to the same thing. They're all hearing the same, my same words and they don't all get the same result. It's really about them. It's about, right. And, and so I know that first and foremost. And then second of all, you know, in terms of like whether or not the Lord has a hand in all of this, I like to think that he does. I try to keep myself close to him. I was just telling a group of coaches I'm working with this morning that I, I pray before I do a webinar before I record a podcast, I try to keep myself close to the Lord so that if he wants to help prompt me to say something, I'd like to be open to that. I don't know how much I of that, that is him and how much is just my own brain thinking this is a good idea. But I will say I have these little moments every now and then when I'm talking to a client and I hear myself say something and I think, what did I just say? That <laughs> brilliant. I should write that down. <laughs> I do have these moments every now and then when I get into a flow and I, I don't know if it's the spirit. I don't know what it is. I wish I had them more often. I have plenty of stumped moments as well, but every now and then I do feel this flow of wisdom that is so much fun because again, I, I I'm hearing it and teaching myself as much as anyone else. So I I'm really, really grateful to get to do something that I love. And you are, and you are good at it. And I think that we all, like you said on your, on Jody Moore coaching on your website, that we are all lucky. We, we all have gifts and, and talents and strengths. And this is one of the ways that you are using yours and, and that you are helping others. And I think that's, that's the best thing about, about gifts and talents that heavenly father gives us is that we get to use them if we want to, if we choose mm -hmm. to, and, and to, to help bless other people's lives. And, yeah. and I, I know from talking with you and listening to your podcast, it's not about self-gratification. It's not about making a ton of money. It, it truly, it really does come from such a true, honest and pure place. And I think that's why people love you and they do trust you is because it's, Hey, I'm doing this because I genuinely want to help because I've been there and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I want to help you. And that's what makes it not just about, Hey, let me do this. I can teach you how to do this when you can tell when people aren't, they're just trying to sell you something, you know, and, and yeah. it's not genuine and, and you are, and, and that's why I've loved learning from you and listening to you. And thank you so much for coming on today and for all of your advice and I'll, I'll ask you one last question. And then I want you to tell people where they can go to listen to more of your podcasts. And, and if they possibly want to get into coaching themselves, you have some fun programs that you're doing right now. But what do you love the most about what you do? You mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast, how you looked forward to going to work. Do you still feel that same way? Have your feelings changed at all now that your kids are all home and, and not in school right now, you know, being mom and working mom, what do you love most about what you do? And, and what advice would you give for moms that are trying to find what that is for themselves? Mm. 
That's a really good question. And it's kind of a tough one to answer because I love so much of what I do. I think that the the work I get to do as a coach, I do totally still look forward to. In fact, on Sunday nights, I think, hooray, I get to do my job tomorrow. And being my own boss, I get to choose my schedule. So I still have lots of time with my kids. I only work about 25 hours a week and it's pretty ideal. Such a blessing. Yes. Yeah. But I think what I love the most is the the insights that when I see my client have kind of a light bulb moment and they see things a little bit differently. And it's not like on one coaching call, then all their problems are solved or even the one problem we're working on isn't solved. But what yeah. I see happen is that we we just tip the trajectory just enough. So if you think about a plane flying across the country, if they shift degrees just a little bit, instead of yeah. landing you know, where they're supposed to, they're going to be in a totally different spot in Florida instead of New York, if you will, right? Right. And that's what I'm trying to do is just tip the, the degree of the way their brain is thinking just enough. Then I know they're going to go out and their brain is going to keep working on it and they're going to end up where they want to go. And I can see those little light bulb moments when they happen. And that is just so much fun to watch because I know then all the rest is going to sort itself out. That's pretty, pretty fun. I would say, you know, in your chance, they're the second part of your question about women and, and moms, especially looking for that thing that they're passionate about. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves thinking I have to find my passion or I have to find that thing that I'm really good at or that I yep. love. Yeah. And I don't think that's a useful way to think about it because I think for many people and even for me, I didn't start out, like I said in the beginning, thinking I'm going to be a life coach and help tons of people and do all the, the things I'm doing now. I, ha I had no intention yeah. of doing. I just sort of followed what felt like the right next step for me. And it was really just about healing myself. And a lot of times that is how our interests and, and desires start out. But a lot of women, especially moms, shut those down because they say, well, that's selfish. I don't have time to focus on me right now. I need to be here for my kids. There's That doesn't matter. That's going to have to wait. And yeah. it is important to have the balance that you want and be there for your kids the way you want. But instead of shutting that down, what if you just follow that curiosity a little bit? What if you just allow yourself to have needs and interests and desires just like your kids do? I'm yes. always amazed at how we have our kids in five sports and we're taking them all over town and they're doing all these things. And we, we don't allow ourselves to do even one thing. Right. Because <laughs> we like, don't have time. Because we don't have time. <laughs> so I think making a space for yourself to have interests or needs or, uh, or desires that you're going to spend a little time on, for me, that's what led me to this. And I see that happen with a lot of people. And and whether it leads to something big and that you're passionate about or not doesn't matter. What matters is that you do carve out some time for yourself because you do have needs, whether you yeah. pay attention to them or not. And so um, just following your just your little bit of curiosity, sometimes it takes you somewhere, sometimes it doesn't, but it's it's all important anyway. That's great advice. I know. I I especially during the early stages of motherhood, I had four under six mm. and I would forget to eat or just not make it a pr all the time. Like wow. I'm starving. I'm like, oh, yeah. I haven't eaten today because I'm getting them yeah. lunch and there's a diaper and there's a baby that needs to be nursed. And kudos to all the women out there in that my little mm -hmm. sister right now, she has three right now under five. 
and she's in the thick of it. I'm like, I know, and, and you are doing amazing and you will get through it. And, and, yeah. and like you said, if you'll find that upgrade sooner than later, like it's there for you, you can always progress. And, and, and I think that's a lie that Satan sometimes tells us women too, is you're stuck. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything else and you can't do anything else and you shouldn't be doing and this is who you are now is who you'll be forever. And that's the mm-hmm. biggest lie. It's God's mm-hmm. plan is all about progression and improvement. And whenever you're ready, like you said, it's possible and 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 you can take the next step and mm-hmm. progress on your path. So how if people want to do that with more advice and coaching from you, mm-hmm. um, where can they go? Well, like you said, my podcast is better than happy. There's a lot of information there and a lot of free resources on my website, jodymore.com that you can go and check out. If you want something a little more advanced, you want to try out coaching. I have a program called Be Bold. You pay monthly. It's like the gym for your mind. We all go to the, we understand the importance of physical health and maintaining or improving or strengthening ourselves physically. I wish more people were doing that mentally and emotionally. And that's what my coaching program Be Bold is. And you can learn about that on my website also. Perfect. Jody. thank you so much for making the time to come on the podcast today and for for all the good you are doing. Oh, it was so fun talking with you. Very fun. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family, from full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.